Hi there, and welcome back to Out There, a cryptid podcast. I'm your host, Josh. On the 13th of each month, I come out with a new episode focused on a cryptid that I find super fascinating and weird. And if you still don't know what a cryptid is, it is defined as an animal that has been claimed to exist but never proven to exist. Cryptids don't have to be supernatural or mythical beings, although many of them are. Some cryptids have actually become documented animals. Make sure you go and follow the podcast on Instagram, at OutThereCryptids, and check out the posts I make for each episode and maybe send some suggestions you'd like to hear. Today's cryptid is one that we already know is not real, so I guess not a cryptid at all. However, we are talking about the origin of a character and his evolution from an online story to a real-life terror, blurring the line between fiction and folklore. We are talking about the Slenderman. Before we go into this story, I want to give a trigger warning. We usually never talk about true crime cases here, but this cryptid unfortunately has to do with a number of real crimes, and for that I want to warn you before listening. There is no Weird Club segment today, just me. Let's dive in. June of 2009. A photo set was uploaded with the caption, We didn't want to go. We didn't want to kill them. But its persistent silence and outstretched arms horrified and comforted us at the same time. The images were black and white, showing children on a playground. In the background of both images, a tall, slender figure watches. The figure is pale, faceless, and dressed in a black suit. The second photo was captioned, one of two recovered photographs from the Sterling City Library blaze notable for being taken the day which 14 children vanished and for what is referred to as the Slender Man. Deformities cited as film defects by officials. Fire at library occurred one week later. Actual photograph confiscated as evidence. Eric Kunsen under the pen name of Victor Serge, posted the images to the Something Awful forum as part of a Photoshop contest. Users were challenged to create paranormal images, making them look as realistic as possible. Kunsen submitted the images along with the snippets of text meant to accompany the pictures, as if quoted from the photographers. Over the next few weeks, the Slender Man was spotted in works by different users, including more edited photos and as a character in an original story. His popularity grew even more as new writers added to his lore. New artists edited him into pictures, and hoax videos started popping up claiming to showcase the ominous figure. The origins of Slenderman are easily traced. He's actually a copyrighted character, and yet somewhere in the last decade, fiction became folklore. What started out as the creation and sharing of scary images earned public spotlight after an attack in Waukesha, Wisconsin. May 1st, 2014. Nearly five years after the Slenderman's creation, a 12-year-old girl was found bleeding out on the side of a road by a passing biker. The girl, Peyton Lautner, was stabbed 19 times and left to die in the woods. She was rushed to the hospital, and the search for whoever attacked her started. It only took police a few hours to find two other girls, the same age as the victim, walking along the side of a highway. The girls, Morgan Gazer and Anessa Wire, immediately confessed to stabbing their friend. Why? To appease the Slender Man. 
During their interrogations, they both revealed they thought Slenderman was real and thought that by sacrificing their mutual friend, they would be welcomed into the Slenderman's mansion. The reason they were walking along the highway was so they could reach Chiquamican Nicolette National Forest in northern Wisconsin. They thought Slenderman lived there in a mansion with his proxies, which they both hoped to become after reaching his home. Anissa went on to admit, I was excited because I wanted proof that he existed because there were a bunch of skeptics out there saying he didn't exist. Anissa found out about Slenderman through the internet and introduced the character to Morgan. The two bonded over their new interest, even when Peyton expressed concern. I told Morgan that it scared me and I didn't like it, but she really liked it and thought it was real. In a statement from the case, it was stated when Gazer was a toddler, she thought that a man bearing some similarity to Slenderman's character had visited her. When she saw the Slenderman silhouette, she recognized that as the man who had visited her throughout the years, since she was three or four. Of course, Slenderman had never actually visited Gazer. The interactions were a hallucination and a byproduct of her mental illness. But Gazer's mental illness was then unknown, undiagnosed, and untreated. Her hallucinations persisted throughout her youth, and Gazer came to accept them as reality. She thus was ill-equipped for her first encounter with the Slenderman legend, and unable to understand the character as fictional. To Gazer, Slenderman was real. When police found a notebook belonging to Morgan, it was filled with drawings of Slenderman, including phrases like, he cannot be harmed, and he still sees you. The drawings look similar to images used in Slenderman games. Some of the symbols she replicated were first used on the YouTube channel, Marble Hornets, a vlog-style series about a group's encounter with the Slenderman. The series was one of many using Slenderman as the main antagonist, and it was a similar series that introduced the concept of proxies. A compilation of widely accepted Slenderman lore has an entry dedicated to proxies. Now, the term proxy was given to those who serve the Slenderman. It is believed that this name comes from the idea that these people are under the influence or control of the Slenderman and act based on its wants and needs. It was also revealed that the girls were planning Peyton's murder for months. They used code words to hide their intentions, but felt it needed to be done in order to please Slenderman. Morgan told police she was worried for her family's safety, that if she didn't become a proxy of Slenderman, he could kill her family. The press coverage of the event sent the media into a frenzy. For some parents, this was the first time they heard about the tall, blank-faced man. The negative exposure would only deepen as another attack was attributed to him. Less than a week after the arrests of Morgan and Anissa, a Cincinnati mother came forward claiming her 13-year-old daughter attacked her because of the Slenderman stories. The mother asked not to be identified when speaking to the news, but had this to say about the experience. I came home one night from work, and she was in the kitchen waiting for me, and she was wearing a mask, a white mask. She mentioned playing a role 
I got the feeling she was playing a role. It didn't feel like her at all. The mother was treated for her wounds, including cuts to her face and neck, and a puncture in her back. And this sadly wasn't the last real criminal case linked to this cryptid. Later that same year, a 14-year-old girl set fire to her house while her mother and 9-year-old brother were still inside. Thankfully, nobody was harmed, but the damage to the home was extensive. According to a news article, she had visited the website that contains a lot of the Slenderman information and stories. Eddie Daniels of the Pasco Sheriff's Office told ABC News it would be safe to say there is a connection to that. This is when a sort of panic sets in surrounding the character. The original creator even released a brief statement that read, I am deeply saddened by the tragedy in Wisconsin, and my heart goes out to the families of those affected by this terrible act. The creepypasta site where Slenderman stories were widely spread made their own announcement, part of which stated, I'm going to edit in this point since it seems to be a very common misconception held by many of the people coming here to express their outrage. Slenderman is not a real person slash entity. As far as I'm aware, most news outlets have done their due diligence, and thus no media personality is claiming that Slenderman actually exists, so I'm not exactly sure where people are getting this misinformation. However, I'm still seeing quite a lot of comments from people who believe that A, he is a real person, and B, he owns and is responsible for every single creepypasta-related website, Tumblr, YouTube channel, Facebook group, forum, and wiki. This is simply not true. Slenderman is not, nor has he ever been anything more than a fictional character created by something awful user Victor Surge as is the case with many other fictional characters. He has fans who indulge themselves by creating videos, games, and fan fictions about him, but this does not make him real any more than such fandom would make The Walking Dead or Batman real. But at this point, it was too late. Slenderman was no longer a fictional character. He was folklore. Andrew Peck, author of Tall, Dark, and Loathsome, The Emergence of a Legend Cycle in the Digital Age, was able to speak with a group of middle schoolers shortly after the stabbing incident. During one of his classes at a journalism summer class, he had an opportunity to speak with the class about Slenderman. I had assumed that since the Slenderman was digital folklore, then digitally mediated versions would be the most familiar material for these young digital natives. Instead, talking to these young people revealed a complex web of introductory points to the Slenderman legend that included elements of oral storytelling, video games, mass media, rumors, social media, horror-themed wikis, fan websites, and YouTube videos, which blurred over time. Even through this web included elements that resembled traditional folkloric circulation. They were connected to other new and mass media elements in ways that would not have been possible three decades ago. I begin to wonder about how this legend was circulating, not only among children, but also adults. How might these online and offline forums of vernacular practice influence each other? What are the implications for the circulation of vernacular practices as digital media becomes increasingly mobile, prevalent, and everyday? I asked the group of middle schoolers near the end of our day together. The internet savvy girl in the corner firmly shook her head, but other students, many of whom had learned about the legend in more fragmented ways, seemed less certain. 
Many looked to her or me for confirmation and began shaking their heads as well. One boy, who looked a little younger than his peers, seemed unsettled by the conversation and asked me if I was sure that Slenderman wasn't real. His brother, he elaborated, had shown him a picture online that appeared to have Slenderman in it. It looked very real. Raising my hand into an oath position, I promised him, 100% on my honor, as an expert hoped to die, that Slenderman was not real. He seemed to breathe a sigh of relief and smiled. The line between fiction and fact was constantly blurred. People would try their best to pass off Slenderman photos and videos as genuine articles. Even after it was clearly stated that Slenderman and his proxies were not real, some had trouble accepting that. Even after it was explicitly stated that no Slenderman is a made-up character, it seemed to be difficult for some people to accept. And clearly, some people feel very strongly about the existence of this skinny guy. But what is it about Slenderman that makes his existence so believable? In an interview with Lynn McNeil, assistant professor of folklore at Utah State University, she talked about how perfect Slenderman was for someone to project onto. Legends, the bread and butter of folklore, thrive on ambiguity. McNeil said, unlike the genre of fairy tale, which readers know to be fiction, a legend teeters on the edge of believability, like Bigfoot. So it is with Slenderman. Its creator gave us the basic image. He's tall, he's thin, he's dressed in a black suit, and his arms and legs maybe might turn into tentacles. You often can't tell, and he has some sort of unsettling interest in children, she said. But Kunsin left just enough room open that people could start filling in the blanks. Slenderman already has a few similarities with other well-established legends. Kunsen talked about the inspiration he took when creating the figure. He said, I feel the most direct influences were Zach Parsons' The Insidious Beast, the Stephen King short story The Mist, the essay tale regarding The Rake, reports of so-called shadow people, Mothman, and the mad gazer of Mattoon. I use these to formulate something whose motivations can barely be comprehended and causes general unease and terror in a general population. Some of the confusion surrounding Slenderman's existence could be tied to sightings of other, more debated creatures and cryptids. Comparisons have been drawn to the Men in Black, not the movie, but the tall, suit-clad men with uncanny features that stalk and threaten people after they experience paranormal encounters. Another internet urban legend started in Japan in 2001, and it has some of the same visual elements as Slenderman. The Kun Kun is said to resemble a slender white humanoid shape, like a paper mannequin or a piece of fine fabric. It is said that the being can be found at lunchtime during hot summer days. The Kun Kun lingers in wildly extended rice fields or acres. In rare cases, it might be found over the open sea. Its limbs are said to wiggle permanently, as if there was a straight gust of wind, even if it was a windless day. This behavior gave the being the Japanese name Kunkun, meaning to twist, to wiggle, to meander. The Kunkun allegedly can only become visible from a distance. Witnesses may see field workers or others closer to Kunkun who do not seem to be aware of it. In some variations, if an individual tries to look up 
close, they will go insane. In other versions, if someone touches it or simply comes too close, the Kun Kun will kill them. Even looking at it from a far distance for too long is said to be unwise. If someone does not approach or make contact with the Kun Kun, it is said that the Kun Kun will ignore them. In 2014, Slenderman was credited for another tragedy. During that year, 103 members of the Sioux tribe in South Dakota attempted suicide. Unfortunately, nine of them did not survive. Multiple reports on the rash of suicide attempts have cited folkloric elements as contributing factors in these incidents. One reservation minister, Chris Carey, described the presence of a tall man spirit to the Times, who is appearing to these kids and telling them to kill themselves. Ogala Sioux Tribe President John Yellowbird Steele stated that many Sioux believed in entities like a suicide spirit similar to the Slender Man. Now, in the same area, there was already an established urban legend in the area, known as Walking Sam. His similarities to Slenderman drew attention to the events. Though he goes by other names as well, most notably Tall Man or Stovepipe Hat Bigfoot, most of the stories describe Walking Sam as a seven-foot-tall figure with eyes but no mouth, sometimes wearing a stovepipe hat. When he raises his arms, one sees the bodies of previous victims hanging beneath. When teenagers hear him calling, he tries to persuade them of their worthlessness, encouraging them to kill themselves. Some believe he targets younger people because they are more susceptible to his tricks. Due to the similar descriptions, most media outlets use Slenderman in their titles when talking about the suicides in South Dakota, furthering his connection with real-life death and tragedy. Which is all to say, Slenderman variations have existed for a while. He was just the most recent monster to fit the bill. Jeffrey Talbert explained how he thought that the legend of Slenderman grew in a study he conducted. Rather than taking an existing legend text and acting it out through legend tripping, the countless individuals who have contributed to the Slenderman mythos have taken a wide array of desperate raw materials, often created from scratch and usually, and usually of a purportedly experimental nature stories of encounters with supernatural beings, and combined them to form a new narrative tradition that resembles the existence familiar legend genre. If ostension effectively bypasses the sign, in this case the narrative, by privileging the direct experience of the object of the sign, then what am I calling reverse ostention implies that a sign is constructed where none previously existed by weaving together desperate strands of experience as well as indexing and mimicking other signs. In recent years, the popularity of Slenderman has died down. The movie, released in 2018, has one or two star ratings across the board, with an 8% on Rotten Tomatoes score. Now, only time will tell if he goes down in history as the internet's favorite terror, or just a catalyst for tragedy. So, what do you think? Is Slenderman really out there? We are on Instagram, at OutThereCryptids, so make sure to follow us and tell us all of your thoughts on the cryptids we cover and what you'd like to hear next. It would mean a lot to us if you go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. It's a great way for others to find the podcast and enjoy, just like you.
One month from today, I will be covering a cryptid that uses one of the most innocent things in this world. Children, who ask to be let in for help, but there's one problem. Their eyes are pitch black, and there is nothing innocent about them. The Black-Eyed Children. See you next month. This episode is written by Rowan and hosted by me, Josh, with logo design by Jason Zykes and theme music from purpleplanet.com.